When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Recorded live. Hey, welcome to Beyond Reality Paranormal Talk Radio. We are back after a very long, long vacation. You can blame that on me. I've been on vacation for at least three and a half months. It is what it is, but we are back, and today we have a special show. And, of course, joining us will be horror author James Percy Jr. and our co-host Jan Reynolds and Kelly Griffin. Um... Let's welcome um, James Hershey Jr. to the show first. James, welcome to Beyond Reality Paranormal Talk Radio. It's a pleasure. Thank you, brother. Good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you on. John and Fez, good to have you back on again. It's been a while. It is great to be back. <laughs> Thank you, Evan. Yeah, it's good to be back, and, and uh, you know, it, it's always fun being on the air. I kind of miss that. Although, you know, I had a lot of fun this summer. There's no doubt about that. But it is good to be back on the air. Today, the show has a special meaning. Um, and it's basically, as the title says, don't mess with the devil. Don't play with the devil. Don't invite him in. Um, and the message is basically should go out to anybody involved in the paranormal world, um, you know, ghost researchers, paranormal groups, um, they're dabbling in the supernatural, the the into paranormal phenomena. And there are extreme dangers. And before we have James on to talk more about this topic, um, I want to mention a few cases as reference to what I'm talking about here. Um, you know, these were, of course, demonic cases that gained notoriety through the media, and, and most of them were made in the TV shows. Uh, for, for instance, there was Annalise Michelle was the demonic possession she had. You know, she was born in Germany and so forth. And um, the Smurls poltergeist case, which not too many people know about, um, and there was another one that was just awful, Anna Eklund. Um, there was uh, Roland Doe, Michael Taylor, David Berkowitz, Clara Germana Sell, um, she was a 16 year old orphan girl. So there was uh, the parent situation, which, yeah, I might be on the fence about that one, but. Uh, those are just some of the cases that gained notoriety. Now think of all the thousands of cases around the world that don't gain that type of recognition. You know what I mean? So there are people that are affected uh, by this demonic activity. You know, they might get an attachment or whatever. But anyway, that's what the topic is about today: the seriousness of demons. They are real. And with that said, let's welcome James Hershey Jr. to the show. James, welcome to our show. Thank you, brother. Yeah, you're very welcome. So you do a show, uh, as you are a show host, for 
uh, Staring Into the Abyss radio program. And you did a show where you were talking about demons and so forth. Can you explain that show, what it was, and uh, what was that about exactly? It it was kind of crazy because, like, we've done a lot of different things on uh, demons. It, it was actually the third show in a, a series of shows on demons that we were doing. And on staring, what we do is we, we try to get to the bottom of things. We try to find answers to all the questions, you know. And so we're doing another history of demons and, and you know, about position and, and all this kind of stuff. And somebody had asked me flat out, you know, what is a demon and where does it come from? Now, usually when somebody asks me a question, I have an answer for them most times. But this is one that kind of just hit me because I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, I know a lot about demons, but if you really think about that question, what is a demon and where does it come from? And we all know, like, we could describe a demon. You know what I mean? We could say, oh, this is what a demon is, but really, what is it? So that kind of hit me, and I was like, well, hell, I don't know, so I'm going to find out. So what I did was I decided I was going to try to do some research on it. So I did that, and I didn't really get anywhere. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to interview everybody that I can possibly interview in this field. I'm going to talk to priests. I'm going to talk to preachers. I'm going to talk to Satanists. I'm going to talk to sorcerers. I'm going to talk to everybody who might potentially know what a demon is and where it comes from. So I did that. Now, it wasn't that I didn't get any answers. The problem was I got way too many answers, and none of them matched, and they all kind of contradicted each other. It was a big, jumbled mess. And I was sitting there after it was, and I was thinking, I am no further along than I was when I started this whole process, you know? So I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go directly to the source. Because if you go directly to the source, in most cases, you'll get good info. So I thought to myself, what is the source when you're talking demons? You know, whether it's demons or angels, the source is the Bible. That's where they come from. So I thought, okay, that's where I'll go. I'll go to the Bible. So I did research in the Bible. I also looked at the Book of Enoch and a lot of the old Jewish texts that came before the Bible. And that's where I found my answers to the questions of what a demon is and where it comes from. And it was kind of cool because along the way I also was able to prove the existence of vampires and the existence of giants and the origins of both of those. So it was really an amazing uh, bit of research that I was able to do, and that's what that show was on. Okay, so now something triggered me, and, and uh, Kelly and Jen are probably saying, Kevin, don't flap your lips about this, but i got to say something, Jen and Kelly. <laughs> I've got to say something. You're talking about vampires, and now I know giants you know, exist, and I'll go into details later on that, but as far as vampires, are we talking about vampires that turn into bats or people that engage into the said sacred act of drinking blood and, and you know. Um, so what exactly do you mean by vampires? I'm talking about the origin of the entire vampire mythos, where the, the entire idea of a vampire comes from, the, the, the origin of it, the very first blood drinkers on Earth. Okay. 
Well, that I would definitely understand because I know I've done some studying about that as well. Um, so, okay, I'm with you on that. Um, continue, James, if you would, please. Okay, I'll, I'll just start getting into the actual information because I think that's probably the best way to do this. All right. Okay, so I wanted, I wanted to gather up, out of all those interviews I did and all the research I did, I wanted to try yeah. to figure out what the basic theories were, you know, what, what the, the top three were. So the top three uh, theories for what demons were, one was that they were fallen angels, okay? Two was that they were fallen angels that had left their first estate. And I'll get into that here in a minute. I'll explain to the audience exactly what that means. And the third was that they were the uh, spirits of the giants. Those are the top three popular theories that I got from all the experts that I talked to on what a demon is and where it comes from. Those were the theories. So I started looking into, into Bible verses. Now, if you guys want to hear all the, the Bible verses, then go to the YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash James Hershey Jr., you can listen to the show. It's got all the research in it. You know, if I do it all here, it'll take up the entire hour, and then you won't have a show other than that. But basically, fallen angels, it can't be them. Okay, so that theory right away was, was scratched out. The reason for that is the Bible says that the fallen angels were locked up in Tartarus with Satan, okay, in the time of Noah. So that can't be what demons are. So the second theory was that demons were fallen angels that had left their first estate. Now, what it means to leave your first estate? A, a angel is a spiritual being, okay? They don't have a physical form like we do. Now, one of the powers that angels possess is that they can assume a physical form. The form of a man, they can be light, they can be um, all kinds of different things. But it's kind of I don't want to say an illusion, but it's kind of an illusion. It's not a fully functional, normal human form that they can assume. It is the illusion of a human form. They appear to be human, but they are still angelic. Now, the reason why the fallen angels wanted to leave their first estate, and what that means is to go from being a spirit being to being a physical being, okay? The reason for that is because they fell in love with human women, and they wanted to take them as their wives and mate with them. And in order to, I'm trying to say this because it's radio, I don't want to be too graphic. In order to achieve that goal, they needed a fully functional human form, not just the illusion of a form. They can't make love to a woman if they don't have a fully functional human form. Now, the only way they could get that form was to leave their first estate. Now, how they did that, the Bible says that the life is in the blood. There's multiple verses that I go on in the show that talk about how the blood is what gives us life and where the concentration of life is. So to leave their first estate, they drank human blood to assume a fully functional form of a human. That is your first vampires. And it's kind of cool because the vampire myth now that we all know from books and movies and stuff like that is this romantic version of a vampire. You know, you don't know whether they want to they kiss you and make love to you or if they want to rip your throat out and drink your blood. You know, you, you can't tell the difference because there's a, a sensuality about them. And it's kind of interesting that the original vampires in history, they, the whole reason for them becoming vampires in the first place was because they wanted to make love to women. You know, there's a sensual side there. 
So that's what it means for the fallen angel to leave their first estate. They drank blood to assume a human form. Now, in order to maintain that human form, in order to not revert back to being an angel, they needed to continue to drink human blood regularly in order to maintain that form. Now, it gave them the ability to accomplish the goal which they had, which was to marry these women and to be able to make love to them and have human life, basically. But the problem with being human is we expire. You know, we definitely have an expiration date. And there was no difference for them. You know, now that they were no longer immortal, they were able to be killed. And that's what happened to some of them. Some of them were killed off. Some of them uh, died off in other ways. It's interesting because there's evidence in the Book of Enoch and the Bible that all of the old gods from, like, Greek mythology, Roman mythology, all of those old gods, they're all the fallen angels that left their first estate. It's the same group of, of angels is what those gods were. You know, because if you look at those gods, they all demanded human sacrifice. They were all very lustful. They were always sleeping with everything. That's who they were, which to me was a side, a side bit on this research. It was amazing, you know, is that I also proved the existence of the gods of mythology, but they weren't actually gods. They were angels that had assumed the form of humans. Now, when they, when they uh, mated, let's say it that way. That's a better way to say it so it's not too dirty. When they mated with these women, they produced offspring because, after all, they had fully functional human bodies now. Now, the children that they produced, that was the giants. Okay, they talk about that in Genesis. I think it's like Genesis 1-6 or something. They, they talk about how there were giants on the earth in those days. And they come from that union of angel and human. Okay, now a human being is a trinity just like God is a trinity. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The human trinity is a spirit, a soul, and a body. An angel does not have a soul. Only human beings have souls that are given by God. So the offspring has a body because both parents have a body. It has a spirit because the human being has a spirit, and the angel is a spirit being, so it has a spirit. But what the offspring does not have is a soul because only God can grant a soul, and the Bible tells us that these creatures were abominations, so they were not granted souls. So what you had was the giants. They had a spirit. They had a body. They had no soul, okay? So they eventually all got killed off, or the majority of them got killed off. There's actually evidence um, that there might be some still in existence today. We had reports from Afghanistan from a platoon over there of our troops who actually fought one of these things and killed it, and they came and took it away in a helicopter with a big cargo net. It's kind of an amazing show. Uh, We did a show on that on the Nephilim, on the channel as well. You can check that out if you want, for that whole story. But these things, most of them died off because mankind began to hunt them down and try to murder them off because they were terrible. I mean, the, the whole idea of, like, with Jack and the Beanstalk, how, how giants are deadly and they're evil and they want to hurt you and eat you and all that, it's kind of true. I mean, that's the way they were. They were real uh, unpleasant is a, is a nice way to say it. They were not nice. So mankind wanted to kill them all off. So as these things died, because they have no soul, they did not go to heaven or hell. Because without a soul, you can't go either place. So what happened was the spirit of these giants became disembodied. 
and they just wandered the earth looking for a body to possess again, which is what we call possession when, it, when you get possessed by a demon. So what demons are is the disembodied spirit of the giants and of the fallen angels that left their first estate because they didn't have a soul either. So when they died, their spirits wandered the earth. So you have two classifications of demons, one being the fallen angels that left their first estate and drank human blood, the other being the spirit of the giants. And that's what demons are, and that's, that's the origin story of demons. That's, that's kind of where I have a little bit of a difference of opinion, James, um, as far as demons or the demonic. Demons don't have any spiritual connection whatsoever. They were never born. They were never alive. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, a little bit of difference that I have with that. Um, since they were never born, they could never you know, they they can never have any uh, spiritual form in that regard. They're unholy. They, they, you know what I mean? The Bible tells us, tells us that angels are spirit beings. The angels, that the good angels that stayed with God are the other side of the coin of the demons, which were the bad angels that rebelled and left and came down here and left their first estate. So demons started as angels. So if angels are spirit beings, then that means demons have to be spirit beings. You see what I'm saying? Neither one were ever, were ever born as human beings, but they were alive. They were created by God. Yeah. Still there? Did I lose you? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Um, well, okay, I, I understand what you're saying there. Um, but... It's just, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to understand because, I mean, it's kind of a layout for a concept. Do you see what I'm saying, James? Yeah, I understand, but I'm telling you, brother, there's so much research that back this up. Go to the YouTube channel and listen to the show. And listen to all of the, the research that went into this, all the, all the scripture, all the pieces of the Book of Enoch and, and ancient mythology, the Jewish traditions that I quote in that video. It, it, it blew, blew me away. I mean, it blew me away. I did not expect this result when I started this research. But I'm yeah. a guy, yeah. if you know this, you know me a long time. I'm a guy hey, James, let me ask you something. Are you on a... You're breaking up um, a lot. It's really hard to understand, to hear you. I want to hear you more clearly. Are you on Skype or uh, Bluetooth by any chance? No, I'm here on my phone. I'm here on the mountain. So I don't have a good signal. I'll, I'll walk around a little bit and see if I can get a better signal for you. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, that's yeah. We want to hear you really clear, so it's an important message. It's a good topic, and, and uh, I want I just want you to come across really good, so, so I'm just being picky, so uh, as uh, James uh, looks for a better spot, um, I guess uh, I'll just have to flap my lips again for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not so hard for you to do, we know, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm... I'm uh, yeah... I'm in my Hi. office right now, and 
and uh, I've got rosaries up and the Bible on the counter. And, right. Uh, I'm pretty much going to try to shield myself from anything negative. I don't want it. Uh, Evan, somebody, can you hear me? Huh? You, okay. Yeah, I have I have a question. Um, while we're on that topic of what he was just talking about, the different kinds of demons, one thing when I was listening to your show, if you can hear me, James, one thing that was I really interesting, okay, to me that I wanted you to clarify was, I think you said some can interact and some cannot. And is that right? Did I understand that right? Or what is the difference between those? Like the ones you said some are in the pit of hell. They will never come out, like gone. And some, the ones that roam the earth are the ones, you know, that you can get a spiritual attachment or that they can mess with you. Which, which, okay, I understand what you're saying. Uh, the, okay. the ones that are locked up in shame in Tartarus, those are the fallen angels that rebelled against God. But they are the ones that did not drink human blood. So they are still in their first estate. They're still spiritual beings. They got rounded up in the time of Noah with Satan and taken down to Tartarus where they're in chains. They will not be released until the end times. That's when they'll be released back onto the world, which might be soon. Who knows? But for now, they're safely locked away. The demons are the ones that did drink human blood and died. Their disembodied spirit is a demon. The other classification of demons is the spirit of their offspring with humans, the giants. When they die, their disembodied spirit is a demon. So all demons can interact with human beings. All demons can really mess you up. But the ones that are locked away are the ones, are the fallen angels. They're not actually demons because they're still spiritual beings. They're still exactly as God made them. They just rebelled against God. Okay. Okay, I got you. James, no, I'm sorry. James, uh, all these uh, different areas where archaeologists have dug up all these giant bones, do you think those giants were possibly demons that died? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I couldn't quite understand. Where archaeologists dig up uh, these huge human bones that are giants, would they be demons that those, I, those actually exist. I've seen photographs and I've seen uh, actual court documents where the Smithsonian has destroyed thousands of gigantic remains, gigantic exactly. skeletons of giants. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's what the Nephilim is. And it, what's interesting is they just had a court case about this, and here very soon you'll be able to actually get the documents through Freedom of Information Act, and we'll be able to actually see the documentation. But in this court case, it was proven that the Smithsonian has destroyed thousands of skeletal remains of the giants, which is amazing. Um, I talk about on that show on the Nephilim, uh, Nephilim about the military that, that fought the giant in Afghanistan. There was also one in the, in the riots that happened not too long ago. And there was actual video footage of this guy. He was dressed in a SWAT uniform. And he was there with a squad, uh, a squad of uh, SWAT members. And basically what was happening was there was a bunch of looters in the front of this store. And they were coming around the side of the store to come around to the front to deal with the looters. 
and you see him come onto the onto the screen, and he's at least twice as tall as everybody else in the squad. He's gigantic, you know, and it's right there on video. You can look at it. Now, the, the tallest human being on record is, I think, eight foot eleven. Was the tallest ever. Now, you think about the average SWAT guy. A guy that is in that job is a macho kind of guy. You know what I mean? They're not little bitty pipsqueaks. They're usually around six foot tall, give or take a few inches. They're usually pretty built guys. They're, they're the big alpha males, you know, that, that gravitate towards a job like that. So if you're thinking an average height of six foot, and this guy is at least twice that size, then that puts him in the 12 to 13 foot range, which is, I mean, several feet above the tallest ever. You know, so if there was a regular human being that was that size that existed, we would definitely all know about that. You know, he would be famous as hell because he'd be the tallest man ever. You know, you think about somebody like like uh, Andre the Giant. You know, he was seven foot something. He wasn't even the tallest guy ever. And he was gigantic. You know, this guy was, was much bigger. So there is evidence that these things are still here. Now, you don't have a ton of them like you used to. But, I mean, here in America, there was all kinds of uh, burial mounds that the Native people talk about all the time. I mean, my people talk about this constantly, that there was these giant burial mounds with gigantic remains in them. And they're just gone. They just get disposed of. They, they collect them up, and they just got rid of them, you know. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the documentation being available so that I can get it and I can pour over it and see all the fine details and put that stuff up on the channel so everybody can see it. Yeah, sounds like a plan, James, and, and it is. It's, it's a really fascinating topic, it really is. Um, I know that, you know, I agree with some of it, and of course, uh, you know, when it comes to the demonic and so forth, I, uh, you know, I, I'm going to have a little bit of disagreement there, and that's what makes this show great is we can kind of agree to disagree on some facts, and that's that's... That's the importance of uh, doing live radio and being among, you know, uh, friends. So with that said, uh, I put a link up in chat um, of some of the Oregon giants in Oregon that they had found, you know, the skeletons, of, and there's a story connected to that. It's really interesting. So I put the link up there, and I actually saw these uh, remains in a museum along the Oregon coast. It's pretty cool. You can see the link there, James. Um, but uh, anyway, let's see if the girls here have some questions for you. I don't want to, you know, continually uh, flap my lips. So uh, let's ask Jan, and, and then we'll um, ask Kelly to chime in. Jan, did you have some questions you wanted to ask or, or uh, you know, ask a oh, girl? Oh, yeah, I can chat a bit. I really found the subject interesting. Okay, like all James subjects that he researches, mm-hmm. because you often wonder where this—it's uh, almost like folklore, you know, when it comes to vampires these days. So I find it interesting, you know, that you did all this research to find out about these, you know, blood-sucking people. Yeah, it's funny how, how research works, you know. I, I, I explain this a lot to people when when they say, well, if you started, let's say I wanted to research t- 
tires and how tires are made. And then I end up somehow on a merry-go-round. You know, I learned about a merry-go-round. That's kind of how research works is you go in with one question, and that question leads to a bunch of other questions, and then you research those questions, which lead to more questions. You see what I'm saying? And then there's all these things that come in on the side that you learn in the process of looking up all these different questions that you now have. And so you, <laughs> you end up you. learning so much. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I was not even trying to find anything about vampires or giants when I started this research. My sole purpose was to answer the question for one of my listeners who asked me, what, is, what are demons and where do they come from? So I said, I will find out for you. So that's exactly what I was doing. And somehow along the way, I ended up finding out the origins of vampires and giants and the Greek gods and all this amazing information that I did not expect to find. But that's kind of the way research works is you just kind of get let off on these different places. And I'm a guy that always goes where the research takes me. You know, I don't have a preconceived notion when I go into this. I'm not saying this is the answer I'm looking for. I'm going to try to find evidence to prove this answer. What I have is a question, and I want to find the answer to that question. I just want the truth, and I don't care what that truth is. I don't care where the, where the research takes me. Wherever it takes me, I will follow it, and I will find that answer. And most times the answer is not what anybody thought it was. That's usually the way it works out is usually everybody is wrong. Everybody who thinks they know what the answer is is usually wrong, and the research takes you a completely different place. Well, that's you. You dig deep in any subject. <laughs> you think of, I don't know where you come up with all your ideas sometimes. Well, I'm a big nerd. You know what I mean? I was a mystic <laughs> kid. I, I, I'm that guy. I, I'm so happy when I'm sitting in a library with a dusty-ass old book. You know, everybody else will want to be outside playing in the sun. Forget the sun. <laughs> Give me a dusty book any day. I love it. I live for this stuff. Well, keep up the good work because you really bring up some great stuff. Thank you. I appreciate that. Kelly? Thanks. Uh, so, Kelly, uh, you're next. You're on the shopping block here. Uh, I want to make sure you all get a say-so today. Hi. Um, yeah, you know, listening to you, to you guys talk, and I think, this is a step that no one ever, ever talks about, and I think that's why people disagree because we don't know anything because we don't want to talk about it. You know, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. You don't talk about it. You never talk about it. You don't say it. You don't talk about it. So, you know, but I, I think knowledge is power, and this kind of reminds me, James, of when we, when we did this show on Mary Magdalene and we did so much research, you know, another interesting topic in the Bible, and I found out things I never, never knew, and I'm so thankful that we did that show. But, you know, as far as as far as demons, this is really interesting to me because I know it's real. I've been in the paranormal, and unfortunately I had a really bad experience once with, um, with a, a Ouija board. And I, I'm telling you, it is real. I don't do that. I did one letter. That was enough. You know, things started. There was, you know... I don't know if it was a coincidence, but a big rack with clothes and, and that had been sitting there forever flies across the room. I walk out to my car, 
and we were on a break from, we're doing a show, and I was on a break from the show, so I was taking selfies, and, you know, because I had makeup on or whatever, and there was a picture that I took that um, there was literally something, this picture has been around, but there was something in the window, leaning over, clearly, I mean, you could see it so well, and I was sick for a week, I was so sick. And, you know, I, I don't know why some, uh, yeah, I don't know why some people are, um, that's, I, well, I know I was attacked that night. I was stupid, you know. I was stupid. So how do you, what do you say, I mean, to people to, you know, you research, what do you, how do you protect yourself, especially paranormal investigators? I mean, a lot of people go in not knowing what they're doing. I've heard horror stories. We had Cindy. On um, Cindy Houser, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but, you know, she's had a real experience and, and has just been taunted from an investigation. She got an attachment from an investigation. So what do you say, what do we need to know? Basically, my very, my very best advice to anybody who is thinking about messing around with demons, whether it is in a paranormal investigation or whether it is, you know, somebody bought a copy of the Necronomicon and they want to fool around. My best advice is, like the crocodile hunter used to say, don't muck with it. You know, these things are dangerous. There's no such thing as a good demon. You hear all the time people saying, oh, this, you know, I can make a deal with this demon and they can make my life better and all this stuff. There's no such thing as a good demon. They're not trying to help you. Their whole purpose is to destroy you in every way they can. And that's exactly what they will do. They will destroy you. They will destroy your life. They will destroy your family. They will destroy everything, period. I mean, that's just the truth. So the problem in the paranormal is you have so many people that see this stuff on TV and they think it looks fun. So they get involved, which is great if you want to get involved, but they don't have any actual knowledge. And that's the, that's the scary part. If you're going to get involved in this field, Get with somebody who knows what they're talking about. Learn. Do as much research as humanly possible. And for God's sakes, don't mess around with demons. I mean, because once they come after you, you're just kind of screwed for a while. Yeah, but James, here's, here's a point. And I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Here's a point that, well, thousands of people around this paranormal phenomena, ghost hunting groups, uh, you name it, the thing that they don't recognize or they don't understand is when you're dealing with the supernatural, you're dealing with the afterlife, you don't know what's a demonic type of phenomena or what's just some neighboring spirit that's passing through, per se, from realm to realm or whatever. You know, and that's the thing. There is a chance that you will come in contact with something nasty. Um, and you're not going to know. You could be talking to it for a long time. It could appear as your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your loved one, that's past, whatever. It will make friends with you. You you think, oh, I'm talking to my sister. No, you may not be talking to your sister at all. And that's, that's the thing that I'm trying to relate to these new people out there and the people that are doing the paranormal. They go out, they, they use ghost boxes and... They try to get EVP sessions, and 
what they're doing is opening themselves up to anything that can come through that can cause harm to them. And there's no way to know. You know, there's just no way to know. And that's the problem. Um, they said, oh, no, I did this. I've been doing this for 20 years. And then all of a sudden, they're sick, they got cancer, they're dying, they're seeing things in their hallways, they're complaining, hey, I got some attachment, I got something following me, I got something here, this is going on, that's going on. And so I think a clear message to these people that are into the paranormal, be very, very careful what you're doing, because even though you're being careful and perhaps you're saying a prayer and... um. That don't mean a lick of beans. A demon don't care if you say a prayer of protection. It doesn't guarantee. You know, that's kind of like mimicking God, if you think about it. I mean, think of it in this way. I'm going to go out and do some paranormal investigating. I'm going to get some EVPs and make contact with the other side. But before that, I'm going to ask God to protect me. Why would God protect you if you're going to go out there and invite these things into your life? It's kind of like trial against God, is it not? It reminds me, brother, of of a story I heard once as a, as a child. And I'll tell it real quick. It, it's not very long. There's a major storm, and the news tells everybody to evacuate. One woman says, I'm not evacuating. God will protect me. So the storm comes, and it's worse than they even thought it was going to be. I mean, it floods like it's never flooded before. The water rises up to her windows on the first floor. She just goes upstairs and says, I'm not worried. God will protect me. The water rises. She has to climb onto her roof. Still, not worried. God will protect me, she says. Well, now she's on her roof, and the water is a foot from the top of the roof. So a guy comes along in a boat and says, hey, get on the boat. I'll rescue you. She said, no, you go on. I'm good. God will protect me. So he said, all right, and he leaves. So then a helicopter comes along, and they yell down with a bullhorn. They say, hey, grab this ladder. Come on up. We're the last chopper. We're leaving. There's nobody else coming. She says, no, don't worry. God will protect me. So the helicopter leaves. So the water rises a little bit more. She gets swept off a roof, and she dies. So then she goes up to heaven, and she asks God, what the hell? I thought you were going to protect me. And God says, well, who the hell do you think sent the boat and the helicopter? You know, that is exactly what you're saying. That is great. That is really good. You know, I think I've been vocal about this, and I'm actually, I'm trying to write a book right now about this very subject because, I mean, I've, I've been, I've said many times that I've had this issue. Um, I've had an attachment, and, I have a question for you since you've really, you know, since you've studied so much, but why do you think it is that they attach to people? I know, you know, I know as a child, um, I had my first experience, maybe it was because my grandfather was a preacher. I don't know. You know, I don't know why in the world. And and two, I have a little bit of resentment. I'm going to have to talk to God about this when I get there, but... (laughs) Why on earth would they attach to a child or, you know, someone who is so innocent? And why do they attach to people? I mean, what's... Because they hate us. They hate us. Yeah. Because God loves us so much. You know, God Mm -hmm. loves us so much that he died for us. And they are not 
God's favorites. You remember, these things were angels. They were at one time before we came along God's favorites. And then we come along and we're the apple of God's eyes. He made us in his own image. He made us a trinity just like he's a trinity. They're not a trinity. You know, they're jealous. They hate us. So they want to destroy us. And the reason they will feed on children and the innocent, they will prey on them, is because they are weak and they're easy. And because of the emotional attachment that we have to them. If they hurt a child, it hurts us. Even though we're not physically hurt, if you hurt a child, that hurts me. Because I care. You know, I hate to see children hurt. It makes me sick. It's terrible. So if somebody hurts a child, that's a way to get to me. You see what I'm saying? I think that's why they do it is because they hate us and they want to destroy us and they just love to mess with us. Right. And, you know, they're so sneaky. And this is what bothers me about the paranormal because, you know, when I went to the jail, I did an investigation um, with a bunch of people that flew in from all over and, you know, everybody had equipment and, you know, it it was, uh, I was doing what Evan advised against and I had an experience with a shapeshifter. Um, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. It was, um, Deborah was in the next room, the historian, and I was talking to her and through the wall. I said, Deborah, are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I said, okay, you need help? No. Which really I thought was strange because Deborah doesn't just say one word. She, she listens sometimes, so she may be laughing right now, but she, no, it would be like, no, baby, I'm okay. I'm good. Thank you, though. So I thought, well, that's odd. So a few minutes later, Deborah comes walking out from the jail, and she was never in that room, never in the room. Oh. And um, I told her what happened, and she said, man, I've, she said, you're not the first person this has happened to. She said, I have shown up in pictures when I'm not there. People have heard my voice talking when I'm not there. And so there's a shapeshifter. And I thought, man, that is sneaky. And so you never know. They can be so sneaky. They can come to you as a friend spirit guide or whatever, you know, that's kind of the experience I had, a spirit guide that you would trust. And uh, I kind of find out, I mean, I almost lost my life over that one. It was, an, uh, it was they, are, they are nasty, nasty, disgusting pigs. And you just don't know, you know, when you're going out investigating. That, that's but, why I uh, say just don't, don't mess around with anything like that if you don't know what you're doing, you know. I mean, yeah. that point earlier was so valid when he said, well, you don't always know. You know, sometimes you think it's something else and it turns out to be a demon. Man, that is a spot on, 100% spot on point. But see, the difference is if you have experience and you have knowledge, when that happens, you're a little bit more prepared. You kind of have an idea what to do. But if you're somebody that's just come into the field and you have no idea what you're doing, you just went to Walmart and bought a tape recorder and you're trying to catch an EVP and you come across a demon, what are you going to do? You are just right. off a creek without a paddle, 100%. That was, that's kind of my point. The demons and all that kind of stuff to the experienced people that have the knowledge to deal with that situation. Now, I don't know if anybody really has enough knowledge to successfully deal with demons long term. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of not my wheelhouse. I'm not a ghost hunting guy. You know, I'm the, I'm the monster guy. I'm into Bigfoot. Sasquatch, you know, I look for Nessie, I go with werewolves and skinwalkers and shifters and stuff like that. That's kind of my wheelhouse. But we were doing this demon show, so I did a hell of a lot of research to find these answers. But I'm not the ghost guy, you know what I mean? So Evan can tell you a lot better than I can 
how you deal with the demon. Because me, I'm a, I'm a good old blood and guts guy. If I can't shoot you in the face or break your damn neck, <laughs> no, I don't do as much. I know you, and I know that is right. <laughs> but yeah. you know what? There's a little... Oh, boy, here comes some preaching. Are you ready for a little preaching, guys? Or just a little sermon here? Uh, I can't resist. In Second Timothy one eleven and, and one twelve, Paul gives, gives uh, incredible uh, insight into what triggers the demonic attack. He says, Where unto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. In this verse, Paul writes about a specific calling in the body of Christ. He affirms to us that he's called and appointed to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. All right. The word suffer is the Greek word P-A-S-C-H-O, and I believe it's, it's pronounced Pasho. And uh, first and foremost, it means to suffer as a result of outside forces or outside circumstances. Uh, it includes physical suffering, uh, persecution, mental suffering, financial suffering, uh, relationship-type suffering. And these are all things that the demonic will lay upon you. Now, the question really is, how do you deal with, uh, you know, these types of attacks? Well, one... Do not open yourself up. Do not be a trigger mechanism for the demonic. Don't invite them in. Uh, and I've preached for many years now on a topic that nobody seems to want to cover. It is called obsession. When you obsess, when you think about the demonic, you get in tune mentally, physically, subconsciously. You are there. It's what you think about. It's on your mind when you sleep, when you don't sleep, when you're conscious, unconscious. It's in your mind. So, therefore, you are basically loading the ladder from hell, okay, and say, hey, come right up into my life, get involved in what I'm doing, affect my family, uh, you know, my loved ones. You invite them in, and by inviting them in, you get so in tune into this type of uh, paranormal phenomenon that it becomes a reality for you, then you're trapped. And so the question actually is, what do I do now that I have this type of thing? Well, again, revert back to some of the most noted cases in history, uh, such as the Annalise haunting, uh, you know, these types of hauntings where the people actually had to have exorcisms done. Some took well and others died. Um, look at the the devil of Connecticut. That woman, in my opinion, was no doubt possessed by the devil. She's still locked up. She's still possessed. A thousand exorcisms isn't going to help this lady. Um, and that's the importance of what we're talking about today is there might not be any help. I mean, just because you have a holy person, it could be your clergy, it could be a Catholic, somebody from the Catholic DOC, whatever, perform a rite, which is a, a you know a form of exorcism, right? And that isn't going to guarantee that you're going to be clear of this. Once you're demonically influenced, you may have a long road of suffering and problems. It's just the beginning. 
And that, my friends, should be a telltale sign and warning to anybody out there that dabbles in the demonic. And dabbling in the paranormal can lead into something far worse than just saying hi to your sisters. You understand? Yeah, it's amazing because a lot of people think that it's like it is in the movies to where, oh, there's, you know, somebody's possessed or there's a demon messing with you. No worries. I just go down to my local church and get the priest, and he comes down, and his soul facto does the cross with the water, and it's all good. That's not how it works. I mean, I was talking to this one uh, priest, and he was telling me about a case where they would go in and they would do an exorcism once a month on this guy, right, this teenage guy. And they would banish the demon. It would take like 20, 25 hours each time. And they would finally get rid of the thing, and then the next day it would be right back. It would just come back, you know. So that's a very valid point is we don't know how to stop it, really. We can make them go away for a little bit, but as far as keeping them away, who knows? You know, this isn't supernatural. This, we, we can't have Sam and Dean come and help. I mean, this, there, there's nothing like that in real life. That's the problem. You know, if you're dealing with, with a creature – then you kill it. There's ways to kill almost every creature out there, every crypto creature, every monster out there. There's a way to kill it. But when you're talking demons, the best you can hope for is sending it away for a while. But nothing's keeping it from coming back. It's not like once an exorcism is performed that all of a sudden your soul is scotch-guarded and you ain't got to worry no more. You know, that's not how it works. They, they just come right back. So that's the problem. That's what I was saying. Don't mess around with it in the first place, and then you don't have to – you know, worry so much about it because if you are messing with Ouija boards and you are out there doing investigations and you are especially people that are trying to mess with demons, that's the most important one because I understand there are paranormal investigators that help people. They go there for hauntings and stuff like that. They do good work. Sometimes they get messed around with a demon. Sometimes they don't. But there are people out there that actively call these demons and they try to make deals with them, and they try to get them to do things for them and all that, those people have a death wish. They're just playing with fire. It makes no sense because that goes back to what Evan was saying earlier. Do not invite them in. You know, you're doing the job for them by letting them in. Yeah, you really are. Go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. James, how do you discourage a 17-year-old teenager who you know is playing with, as they say, Satanism, how do you how do you tell them? Because I guess it uh, might be a popular thing at school. I don't know. That, that, my dear, is a question that no amount of research can find the answer to. You're never going to stop a teenager from doing anything they want to do. I have not yet found a way to control a teenager. It's just, I don't think it's possible. No. The, only thing, the only thing I can say, John, and, and I'm stepping in real quick here, is if you know that you have a teenager, you know of a teenager that's dabbling in black arts because, you know, all right, so they're dabbling in black arts, and you want to make a point to them, what you can do is show them some of these cases that are documented that are actual cases from the Catholic Church that have resulted in tragedy. Some of these people have died during these cases, of these, uh, these uh, outstretched exorcisms. 
One of them had actually died in the Catholic Church itself. All you can do to these people is show them what you're talking about, let them read some of the cases, and then they can make their own choice. Other than that, you can't make something do someone do something they do not want to do, but you can show them the seriousness of some of these cases. And that's why I'm thankful for some of these cases being televised and being so well documented. Because you have that as a teaching, as an instrumental tool to actually show some of these people what it is that you want to relay to them. And I think that's important. Yeah, I think yeah. I agree. I think that's probably the best way is the, the old scared straight idea, you know. But exactly. the problem is you're going to have you're going to have a certain percentage, especially of, of teenage boys. You're going to have a certain percentage that are going to look at that evidence, and they're going to it's just going to make it even more attractive because it's going to make it more dangerous, more badass. That's you know true. what I mean? That's that's you know what? So I, I, you're walking a tightrope with that. Honestly, it, it's hard. I mean, you just have to it, it, you have to know the person that you're trying to convince. You have to understand that person enough to understand what will work with them is basically the only answer I could give you on that. Right. And, you know, do you all remember that movie, um, the just dumb-ass movie? Excuse my language, but I was so mad when this came out. Um, the Charlie Charlie. The kids were doing a game and calling on – they didn't know what. Calling it Charlie Charlie. Supposedly it was a demon. It yeah, was I don't a remember sad. that. I wrote an article about that. It was a sad. And then they made a movie about it to glorify it more. And let me tell you, yeah. I, my kids know. They know it's real. I mean, they have seen it firsthand, unfortunately. But I have always been very, very vocal with them, Jan, about and very honest about it. And, I, you know, they've seen it in action because I've had issues um, that, I'm, you know, that I'm writing about right now. And it, you know what? They never go away. They never go away. Like you said, you can not give it power, and this is what I tell them, what I tell my kids. If something like this ever happens, what I have learned is do not give it power. Don't feed in fear. They feed on fear. They feed on weakness. They feed on addiction. They Really on addiction. And they just feed on all the negativity that they bring to the situation. They want you to fear. They, so a lot of times I just try and tell me if I'm wrong, Evan. What I try to do is not give it power, treat it like a two-year-old kid that's throwing a tantrum, and go on with my life. You know, because if I even start feeling, I can feel it coming on, and if I even start feeling weak, you know, I have to really work on that and get into prayer. I don't know if I can handle it. But. I have a question to throw at all of you, see what you think. Uh, as James was saying, you know, uh, these fallen angels run the earth, you know, and, okay, everybody is so into this ghost hunting, all right? And I mean, suck in. Don't you think there's a lot of your earthbound demons playing into all this. Oh yeah, I think they're all over that, don't you, James? I mean, they're waiting. That is a complete opening. And to defend 
a lot of real paranormal investigators because I've done it. You know, I was so curious, and I really wanted to prove a point. I wanted to prove that there is life after death. And to me, that proved God, you know. And, and that was really important to me. I got really passionate about it, and I wanted to help people. So there's a lot of good, but yes, <laughs> I think so. I don't know. It seems like it's just they sit there and wait for that moment, an opening, because you don't know who you're talking to. It could be them. That's oh, my, my God. It's just yeah. these days. It's a perfect storm because what happens is you have all these TV shows now, and that's making everybody interested in a field that had a little bit of interest before, but it was nothing like it is now because you have all these reality shows. You have Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, Taps, all this stuff. So everybody wants to do it. So you have people that come into the field because they think in their mind that they're going to make a quick buck. They're going to, they're going to get famous. They're going to get rich doing this. And they have no background, no background, no knowledge, no experience, so they don't know how to protect themselves. So it's a, it's a perfect storm because here you have prey just walking right in to the killing floor, just walking right in, you know, exposing their neck, saying, here I am. And they'll call out to the entities and the demons. They'll call to them and they'll ask them to come, and they'll ask them to scratch them. They'll ask them to, to talk to them. They'll ask them to do all kinds of things. So they're just giving themselves over. You know, it's, it's a perfect storm. It's like, it's like taking a real fat chick to a Twinkie factory. It's all you can eat, baby. And that's what it is. With, with yeah, it's just like, it, has, it is like choosing Halloween in their damn, you know, Halloween basket. You know, there are some questions that after the show, that I like everybody that's listening to actually do these things, okay? Um, and so the question is, what and has any outside supernatural forces, including saint, ever tried to use to hinder you? Has it been your health, your job, your children, your family, or your finances? What is the one thing Satan seems to use repeatedly as he tries to resist you? And answer those questions on paper and then pay attention to other people and see, you know, what... Uh, what you find out from the questions. And, again, if you need these questions, I'm going to put them in the chat room. Um, just do that, let's say, you know, for a couple of weeks. And I bet you might come back and say, wow, I found this, I found that. Um, anyway, I'm posting this to chat. And, uh, okay, so it's in the chat room now. Um, just as I said, what are the outside forces that say this trying to use to hinder you? Uh, has it been your health, your job, your children, your family, or your finances? And if you can answer those in a couple weeks, I think that will open up a whole lot. Um, you'd be very surprised because if you have ever filed any demonic type cases, um, it goes after your health. It goes after your children, your family, your finances, and then it goes after your mental health. Uh, and and it, doesn't, you know, it does not have to be in that order either. And if you have any of that going on, you need to ask yourself, is there, uh, is there anything I can do to change what's happening? So I hope you guys will pay attention to that. I'm going to do this. And and uh, see you know see if I come up with anything as well. Um, I see Deb is in 
Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and most importantly, Evan, there's yourself. Yeah. That's the end. You know, that's 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 the beeline. That's what it wants, and, and that's yeah. a scary, scary thing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it, you know, I've studied a lot of demonic cases, and and uh, it's been my topic for many years since I got into the paranormal. Well, I remember getting into the paranormal. The first case I did was of a woman, you know, complaining about some pretty serious and epic things that I had doubts about, and it just went from there. After my last case of the Jervis case, um, you know, when I saw the woman speaking in, in two different languages and she never finished the eighth grade, I said, we got a problem here. Um so that was my last case that I did, and I haven't done any more. I refuse to do any more. I'm not qualified. Um, you know, <laughs> what do you do when you come up against something, something like that? You got to go on Skype and have a Skype exorcism? No. You got to go there in person and cast out the demons by bringing a piece of paper? No. I'm just saying that it's very serious, and that's why I quit. So I learned my lesson and continually. Uh, learn from other people's experiences. Um, so that's that's kind of my message today is just, you know, be damn careful what you're doing. Because even if you're careful, that is not necessarily going to keep you from harm's way. Um, it, can come, it can come and hit you now, or it can come and hit you 25 fucking years ago. All right? Mm-hmm. There is yeah. nothing... There's nothing that's going to guarantee that you're getting, going to get some sort of effect right away. Yeah, and Evan, what? if I can add to that, what, those questions that you ask, another one that really, yeah. this, is how I, this is how I have to identify now. If I have a thought that runs through my mind and I know that that is not my thought, you know, is there a thought that runs through your mind? It could be violent. It could be... Uh, mean and ugly, you know, just something that's totally out of character for you, yet you have a thought. You know, and a lot of times, there's a lot of people who act on those thoughts. You know, you can see, you can see, okay, this is bad, but I'm going to give this as an example because it needs to be talked about. You can see some people jogging through the street and see a bloodbath. Now, do you act on that or do you say, you know what, that was not my thought. And, and that's that's a big red light. If there's some, or maybe you should, you know, I need to kill myself. That's not your thought. It's somebody else's thought, and and that's where you have to get real. You know, you have to recognize that. Thank you for letting me add that because that's important. Yeah, no worries. Um, so you know, I have a question. I have a question for James. Now, James, you're a horror author, and. Uh, my question is, do you ever come up with something and you just know that you shouldn't be sharing it and you don't, you just don't go there? Do you ever get that feeling like, okay, yeah, I can write about this easily, but you just don't do it? It's Well, I mean, I've been on before and, and I've explained my whole writing process, so you, you understand how I do what I do. Now, I have... Yeah probably 30 or 40 spiral notebooks just crammed full of the nightmares that each one is a novel, you know? So there's some that I haven't written as novels yet, 
simply because they're just they're too they're too personal. You know what I mean? Not not personal to me, but sometimes I mean like with the Legion series, that's an amazing story. You know, all three books, it's an amazing story. They travel through time, they go to hell. It's unbelievable. But there's some of these dreams that are very intimate. You know, it's a single family and they're being attacked by something and horrible things happen to them. And the way that the nightmares are, they, they feel so real to me that sometimes, and this is going to sound absolutely insane, but you guys know me, you know the way I am. I'm going to tell the truth. I don't care if it makes me sound like a nut or not. It feels sometimes like this is real. Like I'm not just having a nightmare. Like I'm seeing what happened to somebody. You know what I mean? And so there, there are, are a few that I've, that I've had a series of nightmares on that I've written down in dream journals, but that I haven't even considered making into novels because I'm not entirely sure that they didn't actually happen. You know what I mean? I know that sounds nuts, but it, it's a real fear of mine. I'm afraid that if, if one of these actually happened and I write it up as a novel, what about that family, you know? What about the people that, that didn't die? And they have to read that, you know, or, or hear their friends talk about what a great novel it was. Oh, I was so amazing, man. You should have seen it. Oh, man, I read it, and her head came off. It was unbelievable. And they're thinking, man, that's my great-aunt Margaret, you know. So, and it might be completely off base. It might be completely just some insane rambling that I'm having right now. It might not be anywhere close to the truth. I'm not claiming it is. I'm just saying that's a fear of mine that sometimes these things are, are and they're always real to me. They feel real. They look real. I smell it. I taste it. I'm there. But sometimes it feels more like I'm witnessing a memory than I am having a nightmare. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, I want to read something again, a little bit of sermon here. Ephesians 6.12, it says it's simply a fact that if we have deliberately or by negligence allowed sinful strongholds to secretly remain in our lives, and we have left the gaping holes through which Satan may continue to enter his schemes into our lives. Negligence in dealing with these secret places may give Satan the very loopholes he needs to orchestrate our defeat. And again, this is uh, spiritual warfare, and this is what we've been talking about so far on this show. Is, is making those mistakes, and we talked about obsession, and we talked about, you know, inviting Satan into your homes. And so uh, if you get a chance, check out Ephesians 6.12. Um, and again, I'll put that also into the chat room. See, that is an amazing bit of scripture because it tells us that we are leaving our defenses down, in essence. We are... In, we are allowing them to come right across our wall because there's a big section where we didn't build a wall. You know what I mean? That's what that's saying. But here's the cool thing about that, that most people would never even consider. They wouldn't even think about that. We sometimes do that without realizing it. You know what I mean? It's not like we're saying, hey, I'm going to go down here to the corner and I'm going to shoot dice and then I'm going to stab this kid and then I'm going to kick this baby and then I'm going to pee on the church. You know, it's not like that kind of horrible behavior we're doing. But when we are messing around with stuff that we know to be wrong, then we're leaving it down. 
and there's power to to our thoughts that people don't don't understand. There's scripture in the Bible that talks about when Jesus was talking, said if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain moves over there and it'll obey. And then everybody knows what a mustard seed is. It's this tiniest little seed. You know, so what he's saying is if you just have the tiniest bit of faith that you can cause physical matter to obey you and move. That's powerful, man. So what that tells you is that we have the ability to think into being things. Okay, that goes back to what you were talking about earlier in the show when you were talking about when you're obsessing on these things, when you're constantly thinking about them and daydreaming about them and fantasizing about them, you are causing your own destruction. And that's exactly the truth. You are inviting these people in. You are taking down a giant section of your wall without even realizing it just by obsessing on this stuff and letting them come right in. You're giving them the opening that they need to get in and destroy you. Because our thoughts and our, our words have the ability to manifest physically. Now, that sounds crazy, but it's biblical. That scripture you read is one example of it. There's several more in the Bible. We have the ability to create just by our thoughts and our words. You can create all kinds of things in your life. You can create sadness. You can create happiness. You can be the creator of your own destiny. You can make your life good or you can make your life bad by your attitude, your mindset, and your words. You know, prisons are filled up with people um, doing exactly what you just said, James. I mean, you you create these things, like you said, that example that you gave. Prisons are filled with people who acted on that, who acted on that thought and completely did the opposite of what that scripture just just said. Yeah, you know, when we're talking about hunting, do not hunt, you know, these things. And it's exactly why I was trying to send this message out to these paranormal people that be careful what in the hell you're hunting. You hunt something, you find it, you get it, then what do you do with it? You put it on your wall, you mount it for a trophy, it's absurd to even think that you would want to haunt something that you cannot comprehend. You know, and when you say, okay, you might get a demon, we're not talking about a demon. You do understand that demons have legions of demons, right? We're not talking about one little demon. We're not talking about something that don't like you. We're talking about something that's thousands of other legions of demons. They have legions, and it goes on and on. Why would you hunt something like that? I mean, there's one case I can think of off the top of my head here that, you know, she had up to 50 demons inside her during the exorcisms. And uh, it actually led to her death. They didn't get all the demons. They were able to cast some out. But she was not, uh, she was not helped. They couldn't help her. Um, and, and so, you know, I mean, pretty serious here. Um, now, answering some of the things in chat, Deb says that I agree I'm only participating anymore. I would go somewhere for the history, but that's only it. Well, I agree. There's, you know, history is great. You're there for a short time. You're learning something, and you're out of there. You're not, you're not, you're not dabbling in it. You're not staying there. You're not getting in touch with it. You're not getting in tune to it. 
You're not obsessing about it, right? That's those are all signs that are getting, they're going to get you seriously, seriously messed up. Um, and again, you don't believe me? Revert back to these some of these famous cases um, that the people I'm sure today, if they were alive, some of them aren't, had wished they never did what they did. From Ouija board experiments, you know, to holding seances, to uh, playing with black magic, using voodoo. I mean, it's all part of the black arts, in my opinion. And I'm sure people are going to be upset from what I'm saying. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the way it is. And, and people don't understand that. I mean, because it seems so innocent. I remember <laughs> when I was about, gosh, 12 years old when Elvis died, my best friend and I went down to the basement and had a seance to try to bring Elvis back by the pot. And, you know, you don't, people don't understand. It seems so innocent. It really does. But in a lot of times, oh, my gosh, if you, when people are asking for names over the equipment, I mean, one big rule is you never say the name of a demon, ever. If you get a name, um, you know, if you, I've gotten a name before. And I will never say it because that, you know, that just gives it power. So as these people, the investigators are using equipment and you get a name, how do you know that's not a name of a demon and you just threw it out there? And that's so powerful. When you mention their name, it gives them so much power. And that is a huge no-no. So that part scares me, you know, that part of the investigation, just throwing names around. But it, you go in thinking it's innocent and it's just not. I think the biggest problem is, like with any creature, I, I mean, I'm a hunter, so with any creature, they, there's a way to kill it. Even when you're talking monster-like creatures, you know, silver decapitation will kill most things. There's a few that it won't, but most things, one of those two methods will take care of them. There's no weapon that I can have that can kill a demon. That's the problem. Now, I could stab it in the heart with a silver knife. I could do that, but I'll just kill the vessel, and the spirit, which is the demon, will just move on to another vessel. So I haven't killed the demon. All I've done is kill the meat suit, basically. I could cut its head off, but once again, all I've done is cut the head off of some poor sap who was playing with the Ouija board who shouldn't have been or something. I haven't killed that demon. It's still out there, and it'll come back again. You know, that's the problem. That's why I don't mess around with demons. I don't mess around with, you know, the whole ghost investigation thing really at all because I can't kill them. You know, if I'm out in the woods, and I'm out in the woods a lot, but if I'm out in the woods and I'm looking for a shifter or I'm looking for a skinwalker or whatever I'm looking for, if I get myself into trouble, I can kill that thing if I have to. Now, it might kill me. I might kill it. It's a toss-up. They're a lot stronger than me. I'm a big, giant guy, but, you know, I might not win. That's okay. But I could possibly kill that thing. With a demon, there's no chance. I'm not killing a demon. There's no way that I know of. I don't have that power. I can't shoot it. I can't stab it. I can't kick it to death. What can I do? That, to me, is the biggest problem when you're dealing with demons is that simple question, and I still haven't found the answer in all the research I've done to this question, what the hell do you do with the demon when you find it? How do you kill it? You know, that's, to me, the million-dollar question, because I don't want to kill everything, but 
if something's coming after me and wants to hurt me, then I got to kill it, right? So how do you kill it? And to me, if you don't have the answer to that question, why are you messing with it in the first place? I mean, that's kind of where my thinking comes down on it. Right. And some really, you know, I think the investigator, people are going to keep doing it. It doesn't matter. People are going to keep doing it. You know, I know, well, I can't say anything, but there's going to be more and more equipment that come out that's going to, you know, people are developing right now that are you know, absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt proof that there is life. And, and we've done that. We know they're there. But I think good investigators um, know. They know this, James. And I think they have to know or you don't need to be doing it. I mean, if you're going to go out on a first investigation not prepared, I mean, I have a shaman that used to, um, you know, he advised me if I was going to go into a place. You know, he would tell me what to do to somewhat protect myself and what to avoid and what to do afterwards so I don't bring anything home. And so you have to be very, very vigilant, and you have to be very knowledgeable, and you have to know that there are demons. You have to, or you, you're going to be in big trouble. Like you said, it's, you can't kill them. It, it's hilarious to me in a way because, like, I talk to a lot of people, you know, and I talk to a lot of these, and I do not mean any offense by this for anybody who's listening, so please don't think I'm trying to be rude to anybody, but I, I talk to a lot of these people that I can only refer to as these hippy-dippy spiritual types, right, who are like, yeah, bathed in love and light and, and all this. And the problem is that is the perfect opening for a horror movie. That's how every horror movie always starts. There's some person who thinks they know what they're doing, who, oh, I'm not worried about it because I said I'm bathed in love and light and no evil can hurt me and la, 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 la. And that's what it seems like to me. It seems like Woodstock. It seems like they should be wearing Birkenstocks and, and burning patchouli or something. You know what I mean? Because it's silliness. You think that's going to stop this creature that wants to destroy you just because you said that. But I, I swear to God, guys, I talk to these people for a once a week. I talk to somebody who tells me all this, oh, I'm not worried. I can deal with demons all day long. It's not a big deal because I know how to do this, and I can do this and this and this. And now I'm going to say right up front to everybody listening, I'm not one of those ghost hunting people. So I may be wrong. The hippy-dippy people might be 100% right, and I might be talking out of my backside right now. But to me, as a blood and guts guy, it makes no sense. I don't yeah, I think, think people that that's going to work. People are so curious. You know, I know why I got into it. It was because I lost so many people when I was young, you know, and they were young. And I lost a lot of people that I loved um, at a really young age. And I, when I saw the first Ghost Adventure show, or the first, no, it was Paranormal State, <laughs> Evan's favorite. Um, but he was a pioneer, you know, and I'm not so sure. That's a whole other show, but I'm not so sure that he didn't, you know, Ryan Bell didn't get really affected. He talked about it all the time. He talked about the demon that was following him. He, he, he talked about he would never say his name. So he, he did have something there. But my point was, when I saw that show, I thought, I'm doing that. I am doing that because I want to be on the front line there. And um, I wanted to know what they were doing, what the people that I loved, what's going on there. Like, and we still don't know. After all the time of investigating, we don't have any more answers than when we went in. All we know is that they're there. 
We don't know what they're doing, if they're safe. What We don't know. Um, yeah. And so I don't know how much further we can go with it in this field. So that, that show, yeah. Ghost Adventures, is a perfect example of something I was talking about earlier, where people go out there and they try to provoke these things, and they're like, scratch me, I dare you to scratch me. And that Zach dude, he would talk major trash to demons and all kinds of stuff. You know, he'd try to punk them down. He'd be like, yeah, I dare you to scratch me. I'm not afraid of you. I guess he thought his extra tight T-shirt was going to protect him or something. But to me, it's just nuts. It's like you're inviting these things to come and attack you, and you are yeah. really surprised when they follow you home and destroy your family? Yeah, but Zach tells his friends, I mean, Zach tells him to scratch his friends, not him. <laughs> scratch him. Yeah. Yeah, don't scratch, don't scratch me, go scratch somebody else, you know. Right, he's done uh, it. He has actually done just, that. Yeah, but that's a whole different topic, isn't it? It's just, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't like these ghost shows. They're they're Hollywood, they're nonsense. Hell's Let's just use Zach Baggins, douchebag Baggins. Yeah, I don't like the guy. He's a, he's a comedian. He's an actor. Sets a bad example for people that are following him because what that guy does is he, you know, he'll call these things out. And man, oh man, you go into a place that you don't know that really has something dark there, and you call it out like that, you're screwed. I just man, oh man, you know. Yeah, and we tell you not to do that. Common sense would tell you, don't do that, you know? What would happen, Evan, if you came up to me, six foot four, 300 pounds, you come up to me and you talk like he talks to those demons? What do you think would happen to you? Yeah. I'm going right. to Now, what do you right. think would happen if you are talking that kind of smack to a supernatural creature with almost unlimited power? Do you think they are less likely to hand you your ass than an old redneck in the mountains would? No, right. you're going to get destroyed. It's common sense should tell you, don't do that. What are you thinking? But right. you're right. people look at that and think that's, that's what they would need to do, and that's the problem. One of the guys on that show has admitted, I, I can't remember, it's Eric maybe, or one of the cameramen on that show has admitted that he lost his, he lost his marriage. He basically lost everything and went to a horrible place. And I'm yeah. so glad he came out and said that. I am so glad because... You know, people need to know. Yeah, I lost everything. I lost my wife. I lost everything over doing this. And he's still doing it. But, it, you know, I guess at least he admitted it. So that's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, I want to get Jen back on again. So um, here's my plans. We're going to knock this off in about another 10 or 12 minutes because I don't want the dogs to interrupt and blah, blah, blah. Wife gets home, doorbell rings, dogs bark. Yeah, I know the the familiar thing. Um, so I want Jan to come on for a little while, and uh, then I'll revert back after that to Kelly can kind of sign off the show a little bit, and uh, that'll be the show. So let's get Jan. Oh, Jan. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. <laughs> That's not what you say off you. You say, that's not what you say off you. You say, hey, asshole, this is what I'm talking about. No, I do not. <laughs> I do not. Knock that shit off. Knock that shit off. <laughs> just saying. I hope she will tell you. She keeps us in line. There's no question. <laughs> I just want to say something, too. 
want to say something here. I've, I've got two lady, two women co-hosts. Yeah. Anybody that doesn't think that I'm a patient person, try keeping two women on the same page. Maybe oh, shut up, Evan. Now, Mrs. Jan, openly on the air, we'll have her uh, add a little bit, and then Kelly, you can take the show out with James. How's that? Sounds good. All right. All right. Jan, you're on first base. Well, this show basically started out with vampires. Yeah. John. And if he wants to just add something in there about this, uh, I'd like to hear it. All right. Um, I actually did a, a episode of Staring into the Abyss on vampires, if they were real or not. There's multiple different classifications of vampires. It's not just like the movie vampires that we're all used to. There's several different styles. Uh, short answer, because I know we're, we're pressed for time. Short answer is some of the variations of vampires 100% real. Some of the variations of vampires 100% fantasy. You know, there's not this uh, guy that shows up in a cape who looks like a movie star and for some unknown reason sparkles now. I don't quite get that. But if he sparkles, <laughs> that, that's not going to happen. Okay? But there are things called psychic vampires that feed off your spiritual energy. There are oh, real yeah. life vampires that drink human blood, and I I know there are because I've seen them and talked to them myself. So I know beyond a shadow of a doubt they exist. Okay, but they're not what you think they are. They're not these supernatural uh, creatures that are majestic and regal and like the movies portray them. They're people. Most of them that are involved in black magic and the drinking of human blood gives them power for different rituals and stuff like that. If you want all the information, go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash James Hershey Jr. Find the show on vampires that we did on Staring into the Abyss. And there's a ton of information on there. Well, we talk about it, we break it down, we give it uh, examples, we give evidence, and we come to a conclusion on which ones exist and which ones don't. Cool, I'll do that. All right. So, uh, Kelly, did you want to... Jump in there and take this show to the expo. All right. Um, all right. Um, James, thank you so much for, for doing this topic today with us. It's, um, it's such an important topic, and it's something that nobody talks about. What scares me the most is when someone tells me that they don't believe in demons because I know that there will probably be a beeline made right to them because you have to believe. You have to I hate saying the word respect about you have to mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge it and you have to know that it's real. And like I've heard you say on your show that if you believe in demons then you you believe in God or if you believe in God you have to believe in demons. And um gosh that's so true. And I love I love what you do with um with your writing. I mean you take nightmares and turn it into art. How beautiful is that? <laughs> you know, I just, I just really, really miles. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm pretty damn thinking at the time. But, you know, I, I just, I'm so glad that we had this topic, and I hope that people got something from it because it's real. It is so real. I mean, I hate to, this is really embarrassing to mention, but because it's so important, I have to. I mean, there was a time when I was, 
really affected. And I really just wanted it in my life. And that wasn't me. I look back and I know that that, that was not me. And uh, I know who it was now. And that's why I said sometimes you have to check those thoughts. But anyway, thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for talking about this because Southern Buddhists sure don't. And I'm glad that someone finally did. So as Evan says, with that said, <laughs> thank you, everyone, and have a good night. All right. Thank great you. show. Good night, everybody. Take care. God bless. Be well. Watch whatever the hell you're doing involving the paranormal. I'm not preaching here uh, to hear my lips move. I did it for a good reason, a great cause. A lot of energy went into trying to uh, voice our point. With that said, I want to explicitly thank our guest today, horror author James Hershey Jr., for doing a great job today and for sharing his thoughts. Um, I want to thank two of the greatest people I know, Jan Reynolds and Kelly Griffin, that have made my shows possible, that have stuck by me through thick or thin, and uh, will continue, I'm sure, to do so for a very long time. I'd like to thank well-known author Edwin F. Becker for being in chat today and sharing with us as well. I would also like to thank Deborah Fawcett for tuning in to chat and for being there to comment and, and sharing her ideas. As we're going to be hearing from Deborah here, probably on the next show or the next one, um, and we'll get back to that. With that said, this is Beyond Reality, Paranormal Talk Radio, at your finest hour. I'm Evan Jensen, and I'm wishing you all a happy and great night. Good night, everybody. Be well. Bye, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.